Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. So will there be a verdict? And we don't have a clue. We don't know if there's going to be a verdict or not in the Kyle Rittenhouse case. I mean today. Will there be one today? And I think that has some people asking questions like exactly how long should this take? For so many people, this is open and shut. Open and shut. Boom, bop, bip, finish. Thank you very much. Good night, Cleveland. It's self-defense. For the people who are uh, out of their heads about this case and don't believe in the rule of law in any way, shape, or form, well, you lock them up, you throw away the key, and that's just some of our elected officials who think that. When a member of Congress doesn't believe that someone should have a trial, oh, well, that's telling you a whole bunch. So we're waiting on that, and there are some new stories to bring to it. William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, is scheduled to be with us in just a little bit. We're also going to be taking a look at what's going on at the border of Ukraine and Russia. So we are clear. Russians are moving and plan to move. This is all happening. We're going to speak with uh, retired Major Mike Lyons about that. Me, I'm Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. So good to be with you. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. When they decided they were going to call it a night last night in the, in the Rittenhouse deliberations, it was like, oh, interesting. Some people thought it would happen that quick. But they had asked a question. The, the jury wanted to know what exactly, again, are the rules regarding self-defense? Well, that's a big part of the story here. There are seven counts that Kyle Rittenhouse is is up against. Let's break them down because some of them are actually repeats. You've got first degree reckless homicide, use of a dangerous weapon. Then there's first degree recklessly endangering safety, use of a dangerous weapon. That gets repeated. So first you have the shooting of Rosenbaum, the guy who was chasing him, grabbed his gun. The guy who has the long criminal history, including uh, assaults against minors. Then you have the shooting that took place uh, against Anthony Huber. Now, both Rosenbaum and Huber were killed. It was it was uh, Rosenbaum who grabbed for the gun and was chasing him even as Kyle Rittenhouse was screaming that he was friendly. He was running away from him. It was Huber who had the skateboard and was hitting him with the skateboard. Was there any question that he could have killed him with the skateboard? Do you really want to be the guy who answers that question? You want to say, no, he, he should have taken his lumps because that's what the assistant district, district attorney said, that Kyle Rittenhouse should have just taken his lumps while he was there at the riot after the shooting of Jacob Blake. And at least we, we're people calling it a riot because it was a riot. And there are so many people who want to forget the fact that it was a riot. It, it, it matters. It matters greatly that a riot was going on. Yet there are so many people who don't want to Don't want to have that talk. Don't want to have that conversation at all. So you have the two charges of first degree recklessly endangering safety, use of a dangerous weapon. Then you have count four. First degree intentional homicide, use of a dangerous weapon. 
Then you have attempted first-degree intentional homicide, use of a dangerous weapon. You have possession of a dangerous weapon by a person under 18. This charge has been dismissed. The judge has already put an end to that. That brings us to count seven. Failure to comply with an emergency order from state or local government. Now, as many people are, are noting, you know he had family who lived there. It was his father who lived there or was his grandfather? I think it was his father who lives in Kenosha. And they want to uh, in- engage the following conversation. This was his town. He spends a lot of time there. If the governor, Tony Evers, wasn't going to defend it, he will. I don't know how much I buy into that argument, but that I buy into it or not is of no consequence. Zero consequence. Because anyone can be anywhere unless there's some restraining order keeping you from being someplace, for example, Jacob Blake not being in a spot where he was allowed to be. And he then didn't listen to police. He was holding a knife. He was trying to enter a vehicle where there were children. I mean, there's a real story there. Are we now going to tell people they shouldn't be in certain spots? Oh, he shouldn't have been there. Well, that's something you say over a bar stool. That's something you say to friends. It's, it's not something you bring to a court of law. He shouldn't have been there. If they had broken into a house, he shouldn't have been there. He's on the streets. It's a completely different conversation altogether. So these are the charges. But there is a new wrinkle. And the new wrinkle comes from the fact that the defense is now calling for a mistrial again. Why are they calling for a mistrial again? The first uh, mistrial was having to do with how the prosecution treated this whole case. Or how they, you, you don't have a right to remain silent. They tried to uh, go after him on that. Go after Rittenhouse on that. How they, how they acted during the case. The second one is one that is fascinating. The defense is saying that the prosecutors withheld key evidence. So there is HD video, drone video, that exists, and you may have seen it, of what happened between Rittenhouse and Rosenbaum. And what they show in in this video is Rittenhouse running away, Rittenhouse trying to get away from this guy. And Rosenbaum continuing to chase, continuing to chase and grabbing the gun. And that's when the shots were fired. That video, according to Rittenhouse's legal team, was kept from them. Now that is something. So you have... The first call for a mistrial taking place during the trial as well when the prosecution tried to admit evidence that had been ruled inadmissible. Remember how they acted at trial. This mistrial is because the prosecution may have withheld evidence. You know what? Maybe it's not May. I mean, where do you, where do you even think you get to, to May? There's video, they don't share it. 
The whole concept, look, I'm not a lawyer. We're going to talk to some lawyers. There's what's known as exculpatory evidence. It's with an E-X, E-X-C-U-L-P-A-T-O-R-Y. Hey, it's a spelling lesson. Exculpatory evidence. The exculpatory evidence would clear someone, a suspect of guilt or blame. As I know these things, we're going to speak to uh, William Jacobson and other lawyers. That has to be presented. It has to get presented. You have to show these things. How else possibly would you have a fair trial? If the def- if the prosecution didn't share it, well, there's a whole problem. Would you call it prosecutorial misconduct? Would you call it fraud? Would you call it, you know, um, North Korea? This is exactly the kind of evil we never ever, ever want to see in a courtroom, ever. And the fact that it showed its way here, well, outsider looking in, you got yourself a case. You got yourself a case, if indeed, if indeed they're withholding evidence, and I don't think there's any question they're withholding evidence, or they did withhold evidence. I am always stunned by the people who want to look at, at this case and, and say, yeah, well, he's still guilty. They don't care about courts of law. To that end, if you follow me on the Twitter box, if you follow me on Twitter, you will have seen uh, a, a, a post I made. The post that I, that I put up showed the front page of Fox News. This was yesterday. I don't know if it's there today. Or right now, you know, it rotates, it changes, it changes, et cetera, et cetera. And this, this uh, posting showed the courthouse in Kenosha. The courthouse in Kenosha already had protesters. One of the signs being held up by the protesters reads, Revolution, nothing less. Anybody who tells you this is about race is out of their damn heads and lying through their teeth. Lying through their teeth. Revolution, nothing less. That is what these rioters are about. They're not protesters. They're rioters who want to burn it all to the ground. They're the same people as Black Lives Matter, the organization. They are Antifa. Do you think they care about the case? Do you think they care? Do you, th- do you know how many people believe that Kyle Rittenhouse shot somebody who was black? It's off the charts. But Kyle Rittenhouse did not shoot anyone who was black. There's nobody black involved with this case. Not the suspect. Not the quote-unquote victims. Not the prosecutor. Not the defense attorney. Not the judge. Not a single person. But you got people screaming race up and down and all over the place. If if he's not found guilty, what, what did Joy Reid say? Uh, Joy Reid said, well, uh, it's just proof. It's just proof that uh, that white supremacy is, is, is real. It's just proof. It's, 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 it's the fact on fact on fact that white supremacy is real and factual, and oh my gosh, you can't avoid it anywhere. 
but that's not fact. You've got people like Joy Reid who want you to know that if Kyle Rittenhouse is crying on the stand, well, that's what that's just what, you know, white people do when they get caught. So the Kyle Rittenhouse trial, it reminded a lot of people of something, something, I just can't remember what it was. Oh, the Brett Kavanaugh hearings, in which Brett Kavanaugh, who had been accused by a high school friend of committing sexual abuse of her, cried his way through the hearings to make him a permanent member and associate justice of the United States Supreme Court. And his tears turned out to be more powerful than the tears of Christine Blasey Ford, which were the tears of an alleged victim. But in America, there's a thing about both white vigilantism and white tears, particularly male white tears. Really white tears in general, because that's what Karen's are, right? They Karen out, and then as soon as they get caught, it's like, <laughs> bring waterworks. White men can get away with that, too. And it has the same effect, even as the right tries to politicize the idea that masculinity is being robbed from American men by multiculturalism and wokeism. They still want to be able to have their tears. So my friend Jahan Jones, who writes the... I don't need to hear any more of that. Nobody needs to hear any more of that. Can't cry now. And yes, masculinity is 100% at threat in America. People absolutely opposed to the idea of men being men. Maybe acting like men, which I don't think is a bad thing. I think it's an extremely important thing, a valuable thing. But men, white men cry when they get caught. That's special. That is special. From Joy Reid. She's a, she's a something else. But remember, she doesn't care about the law. She doesn't care about the facts. She doesn't care about the case. She cares that a result happens in a way that fits her narrative. It's more important to her. That's who we are talking about. That's what we're seeing out there. And for the for the Antifa crowd, for the Black Lives Matter crowd, it's about burning it all down. I'm talking about the organization. They're a Marxist organization. They want to burn it all down. Revolution, nothing else. Nothing less. I'm sorry. Revolution, nothing less. Oh, okay. Are you sure? Because there are people on the right who will take you up on that. You want a revolution, we want you to go away. You want to do what? Not believe in a rule of law? Not believe in any level of fight? You think that we should have no rule of law, we should have a rule of emotion, and that we, the rational people of the United States, should somehow just sit back. That's nuts. Now, there were some questions asked by the, the jury. Uh, it's got us wondering whether or not we're going to see a, um, a verdict today. Based on the questions as I know them, I, I still think it's possible to get a verdict today. The jury in the Rittenhouse trial asked the judge two questions. 
do we view videos in private or in the courtroom? And do you need to know exact exhibit number of photos? So what the judge has said is that the jury can view the videos relevant to the trial in the courtroom. So they've already ruled on this. If they just want to make sure they see something right, they could come to a decision today. We will follow it along and see if they do. But make no mistake, the people who want to riot, no matter what the decision is, these are people just looking for an excuse to riot. They are the enemy of free and thinking people and of a civil society. I'm Tony Katz. None of you will have your taxes raised. Anyone making less than $400,000 will not see a penny in taxes raised. You'll actually see your standard of living go up and your costs go down. That was Joe Biden in running for president in 2020. Oh, the good old days. You'll see, you'll see the standard of, li- of living go up and you'll see your costs go down. Meanwhile, over at MSNBC... Out here in California, you can see the reason why people are spending more on gas. Behind me, we've got a gas station selling gas for about $5 a gallon. Down the road, it's about $6 a gallon. And all of that is adding up to a holiday weekend, Thanksgiving coming up. $600 million more per day Americans are going to spend on their gasoline. Yeah, everything's fine. It's totally cool. Everything's better. Thank you, Joe Biden. I I am most stunned by the the callousness of the administration and trying to brush off inflation worries and of inflation effects and supply chain effects. You don't tell Americans, yeah, prices are rising, but it's okay. You can handle it. You ne- it's it's a nonsense argument. You don't write opinion pieces. Well, we need to be more European anyway. You don't have people on MSNBC saying, well, yeah, you know, the prices are going up, but we have more money in our pocket now, so we can afford it. It's all just so unbelievably tone deaf. We're not, we're not allowed to notice. It's just a political tool. It's, it, it's, it's not real. They're, not, they're, just, they're just using this. Republicans are just using this. A lot of people who don't care about your political party just thinking about what it's going to cost them to get to work every week. What can we take away from what we know about the Rittenhouse trial? William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, is up next. Keep it here. So the jury wanted to see some video. Get a better idea of what questions they're answering. See if there is something that they may have missed in uh, the conversation uh, about Kyle Rittenhouse. They started deliberating yesterday. They're still deliberating today. The judge saying you got to come to the courtroom to watch the video. 
So that's what's coming next if it hasn't happened already. Tony Katz, great to be with you. Tony Katz today. William Jacobson joins us right now from LegalInsurrection.com. Cornell Law Professor is how you know him. And while I want to get to some of the conversations, the accusations of of misconduct from the prosecution, uh, let's start with where you think this jury is. They're in today two of deliberations uh did they think it would take this long did you think it would take this long and the questions that they've asked about getting a a better understanding of self-defense and wanting to see some of this video where does that take you as as a lawyer yeah well i'm not i I don't know about the video request that must have just happened i don't recall that but um the uh i'm surprised it's taking this long i mean (laughs) you you never have a certainty but I uh, I can't see a conviction here from a logical basis. I mean, I, I'm not saying they won't convict him, but the defense was just so overwhelming. I mean, this was not a close call. And remember, in a trial where the prosecution has the burden of proof by beyond a reasonable doubt, um, if it even is a close call, then it should be not guilty. So I'm not understanding how any juror could come to a conclusion beyond a reasonable doubt that this was not self-defense. And so, you know, people need to understand that the defense doesn't have to prove it was self-defense. Once they assert self-defense, the prosecution has to disprove it beyond a reasonable doubt. Now, I don't see that. So to me, this is a very bad sign for Rittenhouse because this should have been, you know, look at the George Floyd uh, prosecution of the policeman in the George Floyd case. Uh, They came back in an hour and a half or an hour. Uh, And that was a closer call than this one. So I'm not really understanding this at all. What they the they asked the judge two questions. Do we view videos in private or in the courtroom? And do you need to know the exact exhibit number of photos? And the judge said you can watch the video here in the courtroom. It is Kyle Rittenhouse's attorneys that are now very upset with this because what they clearly want to watch is the drone footage. And that's the subject of their motion to dismiss the trial with prejudice. Now, they're making the argument that the drone footage was kept from them, this drone footage that shows that Kyle Rittenhouse was running away from Joseph Rosenbaum, was trying not to cause a problem. It was Rosenbaum who was chasing after him. And the claim is is that the prosecution did not provide this evidence. First, what is the, the, the rule, what are the regulations regarding what the prosecution has to turn over to uh, the, the defense? And if something wasn't turned over, the idea of a mistrial with prejudice, what does that mean, and does the defense have a, a case here? Well, the prosecution needed to turn over their footage, and the basis for the um, motion for mistrial with prejudice is that, one, they didn't turn over any footage until late in the game, and two, they never turned over, while the case was still receiving evidence, the uh, high-definition version of it, so that they withheld evidence that they were themselves were using that's relevant to the case uh, that in you know, that and that is a basis for a mistrial and it was intentional and it comes after a series of other deliberate acts by the prosecution. This all seems to relate to this concept of provocation that in the opening statement the, the prosecution never claimed that Kyle Rittenhouse provoked this and that if it's a provocation under the law, then under certain circumstances self-defense defense does not uh, apply. So this whole case has come down to whether Kyle 
Rittenhouse provoked people to chase him and attack him. And the prosecution saying, well, yes, there's drone footage. Oh, look, we found somebody gave to us days into the case um, footage of, uh, you know, drone footage. And oh, by the way, the FBI had drone footage, too, which, of course, is very interesting that the FBI has drones, um, the drone footage. But they only gave them the, the, the lower uh, density one, not the uh, lower definition version, not the high definition version. So there's multiple things. But this is the center of the prosecution's case now. They can't seriously argue that he was not acting in self-defense. What they want to do is say self-defense no longer applies because you provoked it. So that is really what it comes down to. And, and this withheld and delayed evidence goes exactly to the heart of the prosecution's case. So I think there's severe prejudice to him. I mean, they never got a chance to show uh, Rittenhouse when he w- took the witness stand this footage because it hadn't been given to them yet. He never got a chance to explain where he was, what he was doing, uh, because it hadn't been given to them yet. And that's really I mean, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. It really is. I mean, we cover at Legal Insurrection many high-profile cases, really going back to the George Zimmerman, Trayvon Martin case, and we've covered most of the big ones live in intensive detail. And prosecutors are aggressive, and, and you know they're entitled to be aggressive. I've never seen as um, dishonest a prosecution as I've seen here. You know, utilizing that term, talking to William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, the mind behind LegalInsurrection.com, calling the prosecution dishonest. Uh, there'd be people who'd be like, wow, that's a, that is strong. Cause it is, it's a strong thing to say, but in your view, th- it has been, has it been dishonest just in this last part about not providing evidence or in the entirety of the prosecution? Well, I don't want to say the entirety of the prosecution in my view was dishonest. I mean, there was a shooting here. People were killed. Okay. But it was very quick. It was clearly in reaction to political pressure. But the whole way the case has been presented is constantly this lead prosecutor pushing the limit, being admonished by the judge, doing things he knew he shouldn't do, like mention, commenting on the defendant's silence after arrest, you know, trying to introduce evidence that the judge had already said can't come in. And then in the closing arguments, blatantly misstating what the law is on self-defense, I can't believe the defendant's counsel didn't stand up and object to that. I mean, that was a big mistake. But, you know, um, so I think that all throughout this, you know, holding back video, uh, just using doing everything possible to win the case. Now, when you're a defense counsel, that's your goal. When you're a private lawyer representing people in civil cases, just winning is your goal. When you're a prosecutor, with the power of the government behind you, your obligation is to do justice, not just to win the case at any cost. And what we've seen here is prosecutors who are trying to win the case at any cost, at any, uh, you know, for any reason they can. And I don't think that's an honest way to prosecute a case. Now let's take a look at some of the things happening from the outside, uh, looking inward. Uh, We've heard that the the jury has not been sequestered, so we don't know what levels of pressure that they are are under. Uh, And then uh, a story uh, from the Daily Wire about how the judge has received um, 
wishing um, the most heinous homicide, unquote, on his kids. Hundreds and hundreds of messages, not only threatening his children, threatening him. Um, Does this in and of itself create problems for the trial, for the judge to say, you know what? Uh, this is done. We're all out of here. Goodbye. Like, is, is there a reason for the judge to say you're not going to threaten people into getting the decision you want? We're out. No, I don't think so. Not unless there's some indication that jurors have received directly threats or in some way the process has been um, corrupted because of the threats. Whenever you have a high profile case, unfortunately, people are going to do really stupid and in some cases criminal acts in threatening other people. Uh, that's not excusing it at all, but unless that has somehow corrupted the trial itself, I don't think that's a basis to throw it out. Uh, you know, and uh, this is, but but I think it reflects a bigger problem: is that every time we have a high-profile case which has political implications, where somebody perceived to be either on the right or perceived to have unpopular opinions with the uh, you know with the left. Uh, the trial pressure becomes enormous. I mean, we, there are protesters outside. We saw it all the way back to the George Zimmerman case. I mean, George Zimmerman had an overwhelming uh, defense in that case. I mean, that one was not even as clear-cut as Kyle Rittenhouse, uh, but that one was a clear case of self-defense. Uh, but that's, you wouldn't know it if, if you listened to the protesters. You wouldn't know it if you listened to their lawyers. You wouldn't know it if you listened to the people who formed after the Zimmerman case the Black Lives Matter movement, you wouldn't know it. But every time we now have a high-profile case, I mean, look what happened in the Derek Chauvin prosecution in the George Floyd death, that there were threats, including from Maxine Waters, that there are going to be riots and protests and you know, disrupt the city if they don't come back guilty. That is now a reality, that you have howling mobs, literally howling mobs outside courthouses, demanding that there be a conviction in these high-profile cases. It's disgusting, and nobody seems to want to crack down on it. I mean, people have a right to protest. I'm not sure they have a right to stand outside the courthouse with an earshot of the jurors screaming at them. So I think that you know those protesters probably need to be pushed back a block from the courthouse if they are threatening jurors and threatening riots and threatening to disrupt you know the city if— there's not a guilty verdict. I mean, jurors have to be free from that sort of pressure. Let's get back to what we're seeing right now in this trial and the, delib- the deliberations, which are in day two. And based on the fact that they've asked questions and they want to see video, it's certainly possible they could turn this around and have uh, a, a, a verdict for the judge in, in, in the next two seconds. It's also very possible that this goes into a day three. And it's your take. I want to make sure I understand you, uh, William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, that already going this long could be a bad sign for Rittenhouse, uh, considering how you see this as very open and shut in terms of the case that was presented by the prosecution. This goes into a day three. What does it tell you? Uh, well, of course, we're all speculating. It could True. be that there's one or two holdout jurors. Okay, It might be that they need this video to convince the one person to vote not guilty. I mean, I can't imagine. I will be completely floored. I can't imagine that, you know, you already have 11 jurors who want to vote guilty and there's one holdout for not guilty. Uh, but I think that, you know, there may be a holdout and there may be somebody that needs to see more for whatever the reason. Uh, you know, that that's probably what's going on here. I mean, this isn't that complicated a case. 
Yet here we are, sir. Crime scene. I mean, I, I understand that I, I, I'm always very clear about the fact that I'm not a lawyer. I'm not disagreeing with you in the slightest. I'm stunned it's taking this long. I don't think it's difficult. Yet here we are. So I, I think that your take on the idea of maybe a couple of holdouts is very, very uh, possible. But is there any possibility that they're going to say, look, it's not murder, but it is this, and we've got this thing over here. Like, there's one charge that they want to have stick so they, they can feel like they did the right thing or something like that? Do juries act, really act like that? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I don't know the answer to that here. It's just kind of shocking. You would have thought they would have reached a decision if it's not guilty. It's such an easy decision to reach on the facts of this case. Uh, that why they need to see more video and see photos again, I'm, I, I'm not really understanding. William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, the mind behind LegalInsurrection.com. If this goes another day, you know you're going to be back, sir. I'm just, I'm okay, just letting you know. Very good. We're leaving the standing appointment for you, William Jacobson. You can follow him on uh, the, the Twitter box, William Jacobson, and, of course, uh, Legal Insurrection, L-E-G, Insurrection, and it's W.A. Jacobson, William A. Jacobson, W.A. Jacobson, on the Twitter box. Always a pleasure, sir. More coming up. I'm Tony Katz. Show me your soul. I gotta know best that you're beautiful inside. Toes on Meanwhile, the jury in the Rittenhouse case now has more questions. I don't know what to make of it, but the judge, the judge has some very, very choice words for the media. These are five very reputable, competent attorneys that I've practiced with for years. And I think it's shameful, some of the things that are being done to these people. And uh, I, 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 when I talked about um, problems with the media when this trial started, that's the, the, we were there in part, not, not fully, but in part, because of grossly irresponsible handling of what comes out of this trial. I will tell you this. Uh, I'm going to think long and hard about uh, live television, a trial again next time. I don't know. I, I, I've always been a firm believer in it because I think the people should be able to see what's going on. But when I see what's being done, it's really quite frightening. Frightening, that's the right word for it. Well, the media will not care. They'll just remind him that he's chock full of white supremacy and, and that'll be the end of that, won't it? Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Good uh, to be with you. Some more questions from from the jury. We'll get into what those are coming up in a little bit. Of course, everyone is going to have their take. Right now, what we want to present is what's going on. I will tell you that it is one thing to ask a question. It's another thing for it to take this long as I see it based on what I heard. But one of the things that's very true and I, and I said this at the beginning, remind yourself of this. Don't just decide you've got an opinion It's the only opinion that counts. What happens in a courtroom is different than what we experience here. What they see, how they see it, the constraints of how they see it, far different than what we experience as we discuss it on radio or talk about it on a bar stool. So it's possible they see things differently. It is certainly possible that this 
prosecution in some way connected with them. It is also possible, as William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, pointed out, that indeed you have some people who are holdouts, who have questions, and they need to be assuaged. They need to have their, their, their worries set straight. Not sure. I think that if, if I was a betting man, um, po- uh, tomorrow, I'm going for a verdict tomorrow. If they're still asking questions. But we're going to be here covering every bit of it. Also, how the QAnon shaman, as they call him on CNN, was sentenced to 41 months in prison for the riot at the Capitol. 41 months. Huh. That's uh, that's longer than any rioter in Minneapolis got. There's a buildup of Russian troops on the border with Ukraine. NATO's already speaking out. But as I'm being told, it is a tinderbox. Retired Major Mike Lyons, former CBS News Radio military analyst, will break it down. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz.